but I went in and I was delivering pastries uh, to them uh, there. And I saw on stage these guys pitching their tech idea called Jimmer. And uh, I just looked at it and I thought the website and the apps looked so slick, so slick. But then I looked at the business idea and I just thought it was absolutely awful. (laughs) So I just had a a thought. I was like, okay, I don't think this is going to go anywhere. So I'm going to get in touch with these guys and pitch them my idea and see what what they think. Welcome to the Chasing Passion podcast. My name is Dom and I'm your host. Each week, I bring on a passionate person to help you discover your own passion in life and how to begin pursuing it. Thanks for spending some time with me today and let the episode begin. Hello and welcome to another episode of the podcast. In this podcast, I interview people from many different backgrounds who are following their passion and make a living from it. I ask questions about their background, career and the lessons they learned along the way. The goal of this podcast is to expose yourself to as many different ideas and careers that exist in the world and maybe something resonates with you and it's something that you want to pursue yourself. This week, we're joined by Gary Flower, who's an Irish entrepreneur and innovator. He's the founder of Cross Bakery, Park BMP, and most recently Park Office, where he and his team are revolutionizing the way we park. You can find him on Instagram and YouTube by searching Gary Flower. Gart will be sharing his experiences and what he learned along the way on YouTube. So if you're interested in startups, entrepreneurship, make sure to subscribe to his YouTube channel. Show notes for this episode can be found on chasingpassionpodcast.com forward slash 56. This week's Apple podcast highlight is from Tap Cullen, who left the following five-star review. Love this idea for a podcast. Give Dom and his guests a listen. You will learn something and be inspired. Thank you to Tap Cullen for the wonderful review. If you enjoy the podcast, you might leave a short review on Apple Podcast. It's really the best way to support the podcast and bring on more guests to the show in the future. Okay, that's enough of me talking. And without further ado, please enjoy this conversation with Gareth Flower. Gareth, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. I guess a good way to kick off the interview is by asking about your early days because I think that's where it all began. So your grandfather was actually good friends with JFK and your mom even played uh, around the Oval Office while she was a child. So you've come from a very interesting and entrepreneurial background. So I'm curious to know, yeah. like, what kind of lessons did you learn from your parents or just earlier on in your childhood days? Yeah, thanks for having me on. Um, very interesting first question. I am... Um... I do have a very interesting family history and I suppose it's very unusual for me because it all started, I suppose, with my granddad. So my my mum's side of the family is from Puerto Rico, which is a tiny island off of of North America. Mm. Um, And I suppose she, my granddad was a very uh, famous politician in Puerto Rico and he was on track to become the governor when Kennedy um, started his political campaign. So Kennedy actually first ran for vice president um, of America. And initially when he ran for vice president, he um, went around to see if people would support him. And he went to my granddad, who would have been very influential in the Hispanic community um, uh, around America. And he said, would you run my Hispanic campaign for vice president? And my granddad actually said no. <laughs> and he said uh, no, because I think you'd make a better president. And the two guys, uh, Bobby and, and John F. Kennedy, actually laughed at that and said, OK, well, I really appreciate that comment. Um, would you support us anyway? And he said, no, I, I really believe it. And after that, he didn't actually win the election. And therefore, um, he eventually went on to become president. And when he was going to run for president, he asked my granddad again, would you, would you run my Hispanic campaign? And, uh, uh, and he did. And they became great friends. And Kennedy actually came to Puerto Rico a number of times. And, and the guys hung out. And it was actually, it's an amazing, there's, there's a couple of amazing pictures with the, himself, Kennedy and Ted Sorensen, who, who, who wrote the speech. It's not what uh, America can do for you. It's what you can do for it's not what you uh, you can do for your country. Uh, sorry, it's not what your country can do for you. It's what you can do for your country. Mm. And that's 
Um, yeah, just an amazing, amazing time. And obviously he won the presidency and um, it, he moved to Washington and uh, became appointed high deputy commissioner of the the America Islands, uh, like just like a lot of them. And um, he was... Yeah, it was really interesting. So I, I suppose I could talk the whole podcast about, about <laughs> his life. He, um, he, you know, he was hired by the CIA after um, after Kennedy was shot and and, and Bobby was shot. And um, yeah, it was like he was. Then he became, you know, he was on track to become governor. And there was whole a whole host of stories. But essentially, um, I had this amazing upbringing where I listened to all of these amazing stories about my granddad and about how my mom and, and I would sit in on, on the couch and watch E! True Hollywood Story and actually see you know, videos of them running around and, and uh, it was so surreal and like growing up in, in Longford in the centre of Ireland you know surrounded by cows and sheep uh, mm. you never you never it, it almost is like a dream it's almost like a, a story uh, telling um and i suppose the fact that i was able to compound that with meeting my relatives and meet my granny who'd come over and and we'd go over to puerto rico at the odd time and just being able to see all these great pictures of of you know gorbachev was in my granny's house you know and uh they set up the world economic forum in puerto rico and all these great leaders like uh, you know i could i could name a, a ton of names of just famous people like and stories like keep coming out and like my granny and granddad were at that Marilyn Monroe happy birthday Mr. President dinner the famous one and wow you know all of this all of these great stories really inspire you as a young kid for to to aspire to greatness and the fact that I never met my granddad he he actually becomes sort of like a a heroic figure in my head of okay I have to aspire to something great now you know it's it's in it's in the genes if you will and you have to go for it go big or go home and and he was that large larger than life character and I can see how he impacted people all across all across Puerto Rico and and in America you know people still write about him in in their books and that's really inspirational so I think I think that's that's definitely one part of it. Also, I have an amazing mom. My, my mom was uh, Miss Puerto Rico, and uh, and my granddad taught her some great lessons. Like he stopped the parade when she was sitting on the top of a float uh, as Miss Puerto Rico, and told her to get down and walk with everyone else, like everyone else, and stuff like that, um, and not to be all high and mighty and stuff like that. And she she's an amazing woman. She she was nominated as best woman in Longford when we were wow. growing up. Um, I never knew there was an award for that, but <laughs> she uh, she set up a football club uh, purely because they told her that soccer isn't in the Midlands and to go to Dublin. So she set up a club, which is still going today, Ballymahan Football Club with three hundred plus members. And uh, during that time, my dad set up a passion fruit juice business. So I remember growing up, uh, you know, sitting on pallets of fruit juice and playing football at my mum's football club. <laughs> you know, so I, I grew up in a in a very unusual dynamic, um, very inspirational and very in line with, you know, if, if you believe you can do it, you can. And um, mm. so, so yeah, that's that's where I started, um, and really, I've always had that. Like, I think, I think. Growing up, though the the necessity of of cash, you know, we we would have grown up quite uh, comfortable until about ten or eleven, and um, then my parents split up, and actually um, we weren't comfortable at all. It was very uncomfortable, and I didn't really realize it because I went to boarding school and there was grants and stuff like that. Um, but essentially, I, I realized I wasn't getting any pocket money, and everyone else was, and um i used to think that was unfair so i started selling noodles in in secondary school for to make cash and and things like that just kept happening you know so um i think it's a mixture of of belief and also uh, resourcefulness hmm. 
So in a way, like your childhood kind of shaped you into the person who you are now. And I find oh, that really yeah. interesting that, you know, you're um, you're naturally curious about um, entrepreneurship from, from a young age. Like you were doing that, like you said, selling coca noodles uh, by microwave and stuff in your in your locker room. Then you were doing apartment parties in Temple Bar and you then you started baking and selling things. So I think you always had this kind of natural curiosity towards entrepreneurship. And what else were you curious about? What else did you kind of want to do as a child? Uh, first thing, you know, I think every kid wanted to be a professional footballer, mm. you know, professional rugby player at some stage. I uh, I was no different. I instantly wanted to become a professional footballer. I committed, uh, you know, I was I was at a decent level playing. Um, I was lucky enough to, to play in Madrid for, for a month and a half with a development squad over there at the time. We got to play the Spanish under-16s. And that was that was an awesome experience, um, but then when I came home, I really uh, was kind of burnt out of sports. I started playing rugby, then I gained gained more weight and um, started to see sport as more fun than than a career. And mm. really around fifteen, sixteen, I was doing the noodles as well. So <laughs> I started realizing that you know this is way more fun and uh, and way more challenging and creative and and um like a game essentially it was it was a great game and uh and making money was a challenge that not many people could do and essentially i got i got i got immersed in it i absolutely loved it from from an early age i mm. i i'd probably be slightly different in terms of a lot of people out there i think get into running a business and being a ceo trying to be a billionaire and that to me is is actually is not my drive my my drive is creating things of lasting value and i think i really really enjoy seeing um things created out of thin air so so i'll give you an example Please my do. proudest day my proudest day of of uh when i when i started cross bakery um now I, i've i've sold my shares i'm out of it now but my proudest moment was actually the everyone says, oh, it's probably the first day that, you know, you open the, the stores. And, uh, you know, we opened three stores in, in Dublin city centre over over seven years. And we had a wholesale distribution and catering company. But the, the one of the proudest moments was actually not the first day. That's always the most stressful. But it was, was actually, I was walking into the shop one morning and, this uh, this woman actually was at the door on her phone, and I'll never forget it. She she was saying to her friend, she had a co- crust coffee cup, and she was like, "Hey, I'm just down a crust. Uh, do you want to do you want me to grab you something?" And I just remember thinking, "Isn't that so cool yeah. that like you've created this moment in someone's life, and it's an enjoyable moment?" And I just found that to be like the adre- adrenaline boost for years yeah. and uh and that that's that's amazing and also the, the same thing happens over time with park pmp you know i was down in cork knocking on doors trying to sign up people to rent out their space what i learned from electricity and i knocked on a door and a guy opened the door he's like oh i got i use you guys in dublin great to see you're coming to cork and it's just such a cool moment you know it's not when you hit the certain million milestone, it's actually these moments that you remember. Um, and I think the most of the very successful entrepreneurs will say the same. It's not what wakes them up in the morning. is not the, the drive to have a million quid in your bank account. That, that doesn't really mean, mean much. And, and like it's a 15 second thing, a hit, hit of excitement. It's more the fact of like, you are doing something that wouldn't have happened without you. And I think that's, so that's the real driver um for me anyway yeah no when you were saying that i literally got goosebumps because i feel the same way just like yeah like create creating something from scratch and you know hearing other people's comments about it i'm like like the, the woman here who was, who was on the phone saying oh i'm picking up a coffee do you want some i think that's really really cool and i think i was reading the book um shoe dog by phil knight and yeah, one right. of the passages that i remember from that book is he wanted to point at something and say i built that so that's kind of like you as well and like you said like a lot of people do that so i think that's really really cool yeah that's a great book that is a brilliant book i love i love in that book where 
you know, I never knew about his history with the Tiger shoot yeah, and, yeah. Uh, and how he started there. And uh, just found it so interesting how he backs the athletes and then the athlete, you know, and their own marketing cycle. Uh, brilliant, brilliant book. Yeah, it's yeah. truly inspirational. And like speaking of books, um, like do any books come to mind that you've gifted the most to other people or perhaps recommended the most? Um, do any books come to mind? Yeah, actually, um, the Five AM Club, um, is an absolute brilliant book. Um, is that by Robin? Is it Robin? Yeah, Robin. Now I'm gonna get yeah. Sharma. Yeah, I always get that wrong. I always say Sharma. <laughs> I <laughs> might probably pronounce it wrong as well. I'm not like, sure. You know, are you sure it's Robin Sharma? And, uh, <laughs> yeah. So 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 the Five AM Club is one that just had a had a, an immediate impact with me. Hmm. Um, Purely because it's just it just gets in deep in the mindset, and it, you know it starts off with this billionaire who pretends he's homeless um, just to stay humble. You know, so the rest of for two weeks a year, he he dresses like a homeless guy and he lives on the street, and he does it to re- re- remember that he's still human and he's not a godlike figure, and uh, and it, it keeps him humble. So. And like, you know, people are like, oh, this guy's homeless, you know, whereas the rest of his year, he's a billionaire and everyone's stuck to him. Um, and so it starts like that. And then it goes into mindset and how it, it I, I like how it practically breaks down a, a peak productive day um, mm. from 5 a.m. to, to, to 9.30. And I think that that's, that's something that I've started doing. And now, you know, that I went through this phase of ultra productivity mode and where I really, really pushed on that. And I found a huge change and beneficial change in my life from doing it. Um, whereas now I'm actually more, more on the balance side where I've started reading more in terms of focus and attention management. And now I find myself in between two. So so, for example, I'm not so hard on myself. I think a lot of people are really, really hard on themselves. And I was really, really diff- like really, really tough on myself. So I would feel actually depressed if I wasn't ultra productive every single day. Mm. And I think that's a really down, uh, uh, that's a, a recipe for a downward spiral. So I started to be more, more lenient on my own attention and focus Um and and actually now I'm trying to add in the bits that I find are really productive for me and allow myself to to relax as well. So I read this other great book called Hyper Focus, um, and I will try and remember the name. I can't remember the name of the yeah, author. For, off I'll hand, just link these in the show notes anyway. So yeah, do do. Hyper Focus is is a really interesting book, and essentially. He goes into two types of focus in one part of the book, which I think are so, so unusual. Um, I've never seen this before, but essentially there's there's um, obviously your hyper focus and then there's this thing called scatter focus. So mm-hmm. hyper focus talks about how, you know, right now we're focused on this uh, on this podcast. We're focusing, we're giving all our attention to this one thing. But they also talk about in the book the, the need for a break, a short break, where you're not jumping into the next thing. So what everyone does is they literally go in and they have their list of things that they have to do every day and they get one done, two done, three done, and then they keep going, but they get burnt out and their brain gets tired because they're going one, two, three, four, five, where actually they should do it one, give a five to 15 minute break, let the brain relax back into two, 15, five to 15 minute break back into three, and it gives your brain a, a few minutes to recharge, recollect, and get stuck into the next thing. And I've started doing that a lot, where I drop my meetings uh, and give myself a buffer time of 15 minutes um, before and after. I found my uh, focus and um, and accuracy in those meetings to be way up. Um, and also, it's, it talks about how ideas will come to your head in that scatter focus. So if you're ever walking around and all of a sudden you're an idea hits you mm. that's during scatter focus so you're not thinking about any one thing but your brain in the background is working all these things out throughout the day and that happens in scatter focus if you just allow your brain that extra few minutes 
in between things to just relax. Mm. Um, and I found that so interesting and so insightful yeah. for, me, for me personally. And I find uh, I'm, I'm solving problems quicker and um, and coming up with more more clear uh, direction. Yeah, I love what you said there with the you know scattered focus and with the relaxation part because I feel like if you want to like produce at a high level, you can't be working, you know, one, one item off the to-do list after another. You kind of need to take a break. You kind of need to go walk, go for a walk in nature perhaps. And like the more I read yeah. about it and from my own personal experience, it's definitely true. Like you do come up with your best ideas when you go for a walk or when you're just completely relaxed and not doing much. And I love to ask you, like what does a typical day look like for you now? Because like you, you, you are like, I guess, what is a productive day for you? So when you wake up in the morning uh, to the time you go to bed, um, perhaps you reflect on, on what you did that day. Uh, what's a productive day for you? What are you, ha- what are you satisfied with? I'm very curious. Yeah. So, so that's a really interesting question and something I spend a lot of time on. I, I go through, I call them seasons. So mm-hmm. I go through seasons of different things. So, Right now, you know, January to February was a season of, of hyper attention um, in terms of growth. Mm-hmm. So I was really focusing on how we can grow faster, faster, faster. Mm-hmm. I was looking at uh, bringing in funding and different things like that and going nonstop with the idea that March, April, sometime, not a definitive timeline, but that I would have a, a decent sized gap to relax after that sprint. Um, that didn't happen. So obviously we got hit with uh, COVID and that required another 20 week stretch. So there are the times where you have to then reflect. So what I did is now I went into a stage of, we, we created a 20 week action plan where I had to jump into a different type of focus, which was more in terms of maintaining customers, maintaining motivation with staff, main, you know, all of these different things. And what I've, what I've started to do is, when you go through these times, they're a perfect time because uh, growth slows down, momentum slows down, everyone slows down because no one knows what's going to happen next. So whenever stuff like that happens in a period of, of, of uncertainty, I tend to read more. So the last couple of months, what I've been doing in the morning is I've been focusing on the fact that, okay, you're not going to knock out your strongest month of sales ever this month. Mm. That's just not going to happen because nobody's making decisions. It's just the market. And instead of getting stressed out and anxious, which which can happen easily and has happened to me in the past, one of the things I've learned is to take that time to your advantage and to start learning and refocusing. So in the morning when I wake up, generally right now I wake up around quarter to quarter to seven, half six, quarter to seven. Um, I give myself a little bit of extra time uh, to sleep Mm -hmm. Um, and I read, I get up, I have my two boiled eggs and uh, my coffee and uh, I read for an hour and a half. So I read two different books. Um, So right now I'm challenging myself to read a book I wouldn't normally read and a business uh, book. So I'm reading High Output Management um, by uh, Andrew Groves and... um, it's a book recommended by Brian Chesky from Airbnb. So I thought I'd pick it up. And um, another book, which is pretty com- controversial, but I'm reading it. I never read it. It's in the political landscape. It's Margaret Thatcher's book, Path to Power. Um, I picked it up in the house and it turned out my my Margaret Thatcher had signed the book uh, to my mom and dad. <laughs> you know? Oh, wow. So, wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'd never seen it before and I just picked it up and I was going to throw it in the bin. And uh, <laughs> so I decided I'd read that as well. So it's really <laughs> interesting. Um, and, uh, and yeah, so, so I started, I, I do that. And then I give myself a little bit of a 15 minute break before, um, before I do sort of the, the main things I do every single day. So I write down and, in my copy every every single day these things so cash flow check-in is my first thing so as a leader in the business you need to know where your financials are at if you don't know your financials you're in trouble mm. and too many people put them on the long finger and then their accountant tells them where they're at and they're like you know, what happened <laughs> yeah <laughs> and uh, so i do a cash flow check-in every morning and that generally takes about 15 minutes uh then the next thing i do is i'll i'll plan plan the day so so i'll essentially look at 
my top things to do and then rank them. So that takes about, actually it takes between 15 and 30 minutes every day is where I rank what I'm going to do in that day and what, what is needed um, what it, based on priority of what would bring the most value to the company today. Um, and essentially, essentially that's, that's one of the um, most important things. Um, and then I'll generally, um, I'll generally knock out number one and number two and my most important things to do at the start of the day. Um, and then I'll have a leadership call um, around 11 o'clock and then I'll look at my emails for the first time actually around then. Like I'll, sometimes I scan through it. Sometimes I'm a bit bold. I'll scan through my emails. But generally, I like to keep my emails to certain times of the day. I found that I'm way more productive if I block my emails for certain times because it's just you can end up spending the whole day looking at emails and waiting for emails and um, engulfed in that. And uh, then I let my scatter focus take over a little bit after exercise. So I do exercise midday. So I do a, a 15 minute workout, home workout. And um, then I'll have lunch and then I'll try if I can to read some news, read, read some news or, or listen to the radio for, you know, a short period of time. And then I'll uh, jump back into work and I'll try and put meetings and things like that until the af- afternoon I generally think meetings are mostly a waste of time unless there's there's an agenda or some sort of some sort of real reason to have a meeting. A lot of people have too many meetings and I think there's such a waste of time. I, I got a, a big shock learning on this in New York where the first meeting I had when I moved over there was actually with a guy who uh, scheduled a 15 minute meeting and uh and I arrived and this is a great thing about the Irish culture, right? So I arrived and I'm like, Hey, how's it going? You know, I'm Gareth and from Ireland and blah, blah, blah. And Oh, you went to Ireland before. Yeah. yeah, oh, great. yeah, yeah. And, uh, and he goes to me, he goes, Gareth, um, just to give you a heads up, like this is all small talk. Can you just tell me what you're here for? And I was like, Oh, uh, okay. Get straight to the point. And he said, just a tip on culture is like, I've seen this before is over here, there's a culture of you get straight into the meeting, you get straight to the point. And if there's added value on both sides, then you might have chit chat at the end of the conversation. Whereas in Ireland, like, you know, we spend 15, 30 minutes chatting away about life and how great, you know, uh, or some sort of politics or whatever to create a relationship before the meeting. Mm. But over there, it's like, actually, you know, I'm, I'm, and if, if, if there's added value, then we'll do it at the end of the meeting. So I've started to realize that there is some benefits in that. You can have a lot of meetings with people and generally they go nowhere um, and, and they can be a massive time filler. Um, and when you're, you know, when you're trying to grow things, uh, you have to be careful. Yeah, it's funny, uh, the meeting thing. Um, I don't know if you follow Gary, Gary V, but... He always talks about, you know, uh, fuck the 20 minute meeting, just have a three minute meeting or a seven minute meeting. So, and he's, yeah. he lives in New York as well. So that's kind of the mindset there. Um, I'd be curious to know what do you value in life? Cause I think, um, I think your decisions are, it's easier to make decisions when you know what you value. So for example, if you value health, you're obviously going to prioritize, you know, exercising or sleeping, whatever, but I'm curious to know, um, what are your values and, um, how do you make decisions based on those values? Yeah, really good question. I think that's that's not something I think I've answered before on on, on an interview. Um, values is a really important part uh, for for any decision. And actually, I find the most decisive people are people who are in in tune with their own mm. values. Um, and values then goes down to who you want to be in life. And I think you know where I stand is is with integrity um intention and innovation so that's that's how i remember it's three eyes um so integrity obviously you know i haven't i don't do shady deals it's not something i'm (laughs) i'm going to be known for um i want to be respected for what i've done in life and and have integrity in how i've done it Hmm. um you know, the innovation piece is obvious. You know, I love creating new things. You won't catch me doing something 
that's been done a million times before. Like I'm not going to set up a marketing agency tomorrow. You know, it's just not who I am. Hmm. Like I will create uh, something that's never been done before or done very rare, you know, it's, it's, it's very innovative and, and new and um, because that's what excites me. Um, and, you know, I think, I think I core values is just essentially who you are and intention if you don't have intention then you're wasting your time and I have a clear intention to do my life goals and knock them out and I don't want to be a 80 year old man looking back mm. 90 year old man like my granddad died at 54 you know it, it's it doesn't look good on the genetic side for for long life <laughs> you know so so I'm thinking about 54 and how can I knock out as much as I can by 54? That's my life. People think, Oh, I'm going to live to a hundred. You know, I'm in hyper speed mode where I'm like, geez, you know, I am going to be as intentional as possible and that people won't see me, you know, going to Vegas and, you know, losing it all on, on black. Like that's not my game plan. My game plan is to make lasting value and change. Um, and it's not easy and I probably mightn't get there, but I'm going to try mm. and very intentional on it. Yeah. No, I love the way you remind yourself of debt because I think that's the ultimate kind of motivator in life, you know, because just realizing that, you know, like this day that we have today, it's it's not really mm. taken for granted. Like you, you might just die next week or t- in two weeks time. So like I think leveraging your time and just doing everything that you want to do. I think that's so important, and I love the way that you you kind of remind yourself of that of that fact. So yeah, yeah, man, you, you you definitely have to. I I heard in a in an interview recently, and it was it was I can't remember who said it, um, but they they you know those face apps, you know they they change your face into an old man. Oh yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So so I heard someone <laughs> talk about it recently. I can't remember who. But they put a, they framed a picture of them with the face, <laughs> the face morphed into an old person, and they have it beside their their uh, their screen, so that they say, you know, they're looking back and they're saying, you know, make make shit happen now. Um, so so yeah, I think it's 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 very it's a very big driver in terms of mortality, and obviously, you know, you don't want to look back and regret um, all those days that you spend in. in something you you didn't enjoy you know mm. so has to be intentional why are you doing that i yeah. think a lot of people are asking themselves during coronavirus is like why am i doing what i'm doing right now it actually i feel happier working from home i feel happier spending more time with my kids i feel happier hanging out with my dog you know mm. walking around the countryside like you know, I personally am in that boat. I'm in Longford right now, you know, doing up my house. And I was in Manhattan thinking Manhattan was the greatest place on earth. So mm. and now I'm in two minds of like, you know, this is actually really enjoyable for me. I'm, I feel way more productive, a lot less time waste. It's, very, it's a lot less costly, all of that. So so I think it's a really interesting uh, thing for, for people to think about. Mm, absolutely. And what else have you changed your mind on recently? Like, um, just in terms of like, yeah, what have you changed your mind on recently? Uh, well, the big one would be the office. I think, I think for us, um, I we're fully remote, and we're going to maintain a fully remote option for the company for for forevermore. So. So for us, for example, we have some people in the team who enjoy working from the office and it may be a nicer environment than the office setup they have at home or they have other people or, or animals at home and it's hard to concentrate. So the office, there's always there's always a space for the office environment, especially for big meetings. Like we had a we had a team meeting there in the office and it was brilliant. It was great to just see everybody and go through things and, and share lunch. And that was brilliant. Um, however, the thought of office work has changed now. So for example, we're, and let me, t- let me test you, right? What, what sounds more incentivizing? So I said to the, the team, we've, we're going to go remote 
And instead of scaling up the office and having everybody in the office every single day as we grow to a 30, 40, 50 person team, Hmm. instead of that, we're going to keep the office at the same size so we can have meetings there for for the core teams and and meetups. And the extra that we had budgeted for the office will put towards going on a group trip once a quarter. So we hit our targets. We don't hit our targets. We hit our targets. We go to a nicer group trip. Let's mm. say the Portugal. We go to Portugal as a team. Might cost two or three grand. You know how much offices are cost. You know per month. So it might cost us that two, three, five, ten grand. We'll apportion the same cost as we had budgeted for increasing office space to travel, and that's our generation. We want experiences now, mm. which the team chose. You know, work from home the majority of the time team meetings in the office when needed or, you know, move back to the office and work from the office commute every day, you know? Yeah. It's an interesting one. Um, hmm, what would I choose? I probably, I like the aspect of, you know, having people around because like sometimes when you're in your office by yourself, it kind of gets a bit lonely. Well, if you're just mm-hmm. there by yourself, but like obviously if you have family or, or friends around, but like, I think the office environment is nice because you get to see people, I guess. Yeah. But yeah, the, the holiday sounds amazing. That's class. I've never heard that done before. So that's, yeah, cool. yeah, yeah, it's it's a it's a really cool cool way. But I think like you're right. Like I think people who some people have more of an urge mm. to 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 be around people more, and we will have designated office. We have an office, so mm. we're using it for that. And s- some of the team are there, but you know we have people on our team who are driving an hour and a half every day to the office. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and like they're realizing now how they've wasted years of their lives uh driving to work every day when they could be at home, you know, planting back garden or whatever in that That's time. True. So so I think it's going to be an interesting dynamic over the next couple of years and and you know when you talk about self-driving cars and how that's going to change the mix in the future as well in offices and when you have yeah it's it's going to be an amazing future no doubt yeah like i mean the whole world is just changing because of this coronavirus so maybe like we there's a lot of lessons behind this so yeah it's definitely interesting to see what's going to happen in the next few years mm-hmm. um and i'd love to ask you this so when you 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 got your car um at some stage and you were driving yeah. around and you couldn't find a place to park. And so you started knocking on doors saying, oh, can I park in your driver? And they're like, sure. And that's how this idea for Park, park PMP came to be. And two months, later, two months later, you had 300 people sign up. But I'm very curious, yeah. how did you develop the MVP with your co-founder in 30 days? Like, what did that process look like for you? Because you were working in Crust uh, before that. As, correct me if I'm wrong. But um, yeah. yeah, I'm curious to know, how did you develop the MVP in just 30 days and getting 30 or 300 people to sign up two months later. Yeah, so Park PMP, um, when we started it, so the idea, we, it, it all starts with the idea. So the idea happened actually when I was driving. It was actually the first day I had the car. I bought the car, and the first day I had the car was on a Friday and in 2015. And I was mm-hmm. with my girlfriend, now fiancé, and... It was actually the, the 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 driveways were all so empty. And when I drove in, knocked on the door, the, the woman came out and she was like, yeah, no problem. And her driveway was massive. Yeah. You know, it was granola. And it was so hard to find a space. It was like 20 minutes. And I just found this whole quick chat and thing so easy. Hmm. And I remember thinking, God, if you know, people could just rent out their driveway. And now I was one of the first hundred listers on Airbnb in the country. Wow. And I was a very heavy user of Airbnb. And so this idea came totally naturally to me. I was like, okay, well, it doesn't make sense that you can rent out your house and not your driveway. So I thought the idea was solid. Then I went and researched the idea and found that there are certain companies in America, there was only two, two at the time that were growing really fast, both startups, Parkwiz and Spot Hero, and they were growing really fast. Hmm. And I thought, brilliant. There's nothing I can see in Europe, so I'm going to take this space. And um, and at the time, um, you know, I was I was really I've always been interested in technology, and you know, we crossed out a history of you know we were the first bakery in the world to accept Bitcoin, and we're in the Irish Times for that, and we were the you know we we linked all of the 
uh, the ovens and the and the tail everything to the mobile phone so we could manage it all through the phone and like I was always excited about technology and and, and the scale of it so so how I started was essentially I was looking for a CTO so I had read a lot and researched a lot about about technology and found that you re- if you're not the product guy you need the product guy you can't you can't do anything without the product guy so I was looking for product people and, you know, I had a few people in and they were trying to charge me like 250K to, to build a product and all this sort of nonsense. And, um, and actually what I found was uh, very beneficial was um, I, I was delivering pastries to the Bank of Ireland who are a client for Crust Bakery and a great, great uh, 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 helper and supporter of, of Crust Bakery. Um, but I went in and I was delivering pastries uh, to them uh, there. And I saw on stage these guys pitching their tech idea called Jimmer. And uh, I just looked at it and I thought the website and the apps looked so slick, so slick. But then I looked at the business idea and I just thought it was absolutely awful. <laughs> so I just had a, a thought. I was like, OK, I don't think this is going to go anywhere. So I'm going to get in touch with these guys and pitch them my idea and see what, uh, see what they think. So it just turned out that, um, you know, I invited uh, Dan Paul, who became my co-founder and CTO and his tech team, you know, Diego, Kyle and Jackson um, to, to the coffee shop one evening. And, uh, you know, coffee and donuts uh, are very enticing. So I was able to, you know, get them set up in the bakery. Like it was, we had a big coffee shop in Georgia street. I mean, Georgia street was hopping and I was able to like, you know, show the guys, this is what I had done before. And here's the plan for, for park PMP and park PMP is a massive idea. Airbnb for parking. Parking is an enormous market, hundred billion globally. Um, and I had my research done. So I presented to the guys and asked them, do they want to be partners? And they said, yes. And I said, okay, well, look, here's the deal. We've got to go big or go home. And, you know, it's it, it's rare. All of our competitors have raised money and they're growing really fast. So that's something we have to do. Um, we can't grow this organically. Like my last business, Crust, was an organic business. We grew it with no investors, et cetera. It was like mm. very little money, cash flow, growth, et cetera. So, and it grew into a good, a good-sized business employing 45 people, but it took years hmm. this technology has to move fast um or or it's left out in the cold so so we went and i said look in 30 days if i get 300 listers in the commercial side can you build an mvp a basic minimum viable product and the guys agreed so they actually were able to put a lot of the work that they had built into jimmer into park pmp the, the the experience obviously um and they were able to to switch on a lister and a booker be able to list a parking space and book through the website and, and the app in 30 days, which was insanely impressive. And the guys are still with us today, you know, and uh, building quality products. And that's, that's um, with that MVP, I was able to go to investors and, and pitch to the investors like Enterprise Ireland um, and uh, high net worth individuals. Um, and we raised half a million euros, which at the time, and I still, uh, you know, if anyone wants to research this, but I'd say that's the largest amount raised uh, pre-revenue uh, in Ireland. <laughs> it's it's a statement, but I, I haven't seen anyone else who's done a pre-revenue. Maybe some of the pharma pharma companies. Uh, We're going to coach on this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Someone has to. Someone has to find out. But yeah, we raised that, and then we were off to the races. We built a team. We built out the products and. Uh, built out the sales team, started knocking on doors all across the country. Then we signed up hotels, car park operators. We, we work with all the biggest car park operators in the country. And we manage 25,000 parking spaces now across Ireland, Belgium, and the Netherlands. So business grew uh, really quickly. And uh, in that time, we we about two years in, we realized that Offices were managed really poorly. So we actually had a company, a large pharmaceutical company, who asked us to find 50 parking spaces around the area. And we we went and found 50 parking spaces in the marketplace. 
And when I went in to sign the contract with them, um, they they had an empty car park. So there was 50 empty spaces in their car park. So you can imagine my amusement in having found 50 spaces and their car park was empty with 50 spaces empty. So I just couldn't help myself. I'm too curious. So I actually said to them, I said, guys, you know, I don't understand. You're paying me all this money and the contract is here and I'm probably shooting myself in the foot, but you're paying me all this money and you have 50 empty spaces in your car park. And thankfully it all worked out for me in that they ended up signing the spaces and they ended up saying, that's a great idea. Go build it. And we ended up building park office and park office maximizes the use of space and office car parking, meaning meaning you can fit 40% on average, more people in the same amount of space. And now with COVID, a lot of rotation is happening with people who maybe didn't have space before, scared of public transport, now needing a space and the rotation of staff throughout the world. So we've become very, very busy over the last couple of weeks with new clients, new demos, and um, with this whole new new, new world uh, phenomena. So so it's been... Uh, it's been incredible and park office is now our core core focus is a business for growth and um, it's a very scalable solution we're working with some of the world's largest companies um, a growing number of fortune 500s and we're working with companies from la to, to new zealand so you know we have a laugh uh, every day on on the on our leadership call is like when we you know some jason i think our commercial director was up at 6 a.m. this morning, I think, talking in New Zealand. You know, it's, hmm. it's gas. It, um, and, and he has a call tonight at 7 or something with, with California. So that that's that shows the scale. And like with Park BNP, it's a two-sided marketplace where with Park Office, it's purely a SaaS uh, solution that solves the problem. So we can set it up really seamlessly. If you have any parking problems in your company, we can set up within a week and roll out and, and, you know, we have the testimonials there from, from the largest companies in the world now showing the benefit that we brought. So really, really exciting future. And, and uh, yeah, I can't wait to see who the next 20 years gets us. Yeah, me too. No, it's, uh, it's super exciting. Um, and I'm curious to know, cause like to me, this sounds amazing. Like everything you're doing now, um, it's really, really remarkable. But I'm curious to know, um, you know, I think entrepreneurship has become cool. Like people want to be become entrepreneurs. Like it's become like the thing to do. And maybe people should become entrepreneurs because like there's a lot of freedom in that, but there's also a lot of challenges. So I'm curious to know, um, when it comes to entrepreneurship, like what's the what are difficulties? Like how do you know if you're an entrepreneur? Um, like what kind of characteristics should you should you have before you know pursuing this path? I'm just curious to get your perspective on that. Yeah, look, there, there's a massive amount of difficulty with, with with setting up a business. It's extremely hard, and you have to you have to want to do what you're what you're doing to succeed. Mm. And a lot of people call it passion. You have to have passion for what you do. Like I don't have passion about parking spaces. You know, it's <laughs> not. I'm not passionate about parking, and but I'm passionate about innovation and change. Mm. The fact that we can make parking easier, make the journey of every single parker with us more seamless so that they write a 10 star review and say, God, I used to waste so much time park. Like I had a, one of the CEOs of a very big technology company in America say mm-hmm. to me, you know how much of a pain it was when I'd arrive 10 minutes late to our board meeting, <laughs> you know, and I'm paid X amount of dollars a year and it saves, saves me that hassle from now on. And, and, and that's just, that's just a huge, uh, uh, bonus for, for us to be able to provide that added happiness value. Um, but it's extremely hard. It's extremely hard. There's, there's lots of down days. Like, like I would say there's definitely more tough days than there is, you know, happy, happy days. (laughs) I mean, you're, you've got to enjoy the hustle. You've got to enjoy the, um, gotta enjoy the the pain like i think it's weird uh i think it's weird that you have you have to find the positivity in the negativity if that makes sense like you have to you have to realize that when it's hard you're learning Mm -hmm. and 
you have to beat yourself up at times when you make the same mistake twice and it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. When you make the same mistake twice and you don't learn, that should bug you. And then the improvements, however slight, should impress you. You have to be happy with getting better. And that's whenever whenever you lose a deal, you have to overanalyze. Why did you lose that deal? What was it that made you lose that deal? And then improve. And improve and improve and improve. And then things just happen when you keep improving. They just naturally happen. And and as long as you keep that mindset of slow incremental growth, you the, the hard days get easier and your endurance gets easier. So you got to realize as well as a founder and a CEO, your days are never going to be easy. And like, you know, you're you're actually paid the big bucks or you're give, given more shares and you're, you have more control because it's a hard job. You know, that's your job. You've picked that life. And if you want an easy life, you know, I think that, that that's just not going to happen. You, you're, <clears throat> you're, you're getting, you're getting glimpses online of the good times of, you know, the yachts and the fancy cars and stuff like that. 90, 99% of the time, I guarantee if you went and randomly visited these successful business people, they're not farting around in their Ferrari, you know, yeah. they're in the office, they're knocking out another day and they're happy out doing it, you know. Uh, so that's, that's, that's my thing. I think you need to enjoy um, the journey and it's something that's very, very difficult to do. Um, I understand like people can be, under a huge amount of stress with debt. I mean, you know, with my, my last business crust, you know, we, we grew so fast. Like we were, I was 25 and I was managing like 45 people. Like no one teaches you that stuff. It's like you're growing so fast and you initially make so many mistakes. You think, okay, well I'm going to be their friend. You know, I, I'm going to be every employee's friend and, and best friend and do everything, say yes to everything because I'm the best boss in the world. And then you realize that, you know, when you give free food to everybody because Google did it and you're a startup and everybody is now taking two kilos of beef <laughs> home with them every night for their dog and it costs you 20 quid a, a pop that's just not okay. Uh, when you give free coffee and like everyone has 10 coffees a day and they're high as a kite, you know, that just isn't okay. And I suppose you, you have to learn the boundaries of, of being a fair boss, but also what's good for the business. So, you know, is the business growing as a result of this benefit? Um, or how can you make a great environment for people to succeed and improve on whilst also getting the most out of them in terms of effectiveness. And that's something you learn over time. And it's not something you're taught in school, unfortunately, these days. Um, And uh, it's not something you can be prepared for, unfortunately. Now, thankfully, there's more podcasts like this. And one of the things I love about this is, you know, hopefully one or two ideas from this will help someone else's journey. And that's why I do it, because... When I started out, and it sounds like I'm ancient, but when I started out, there was no colleges doing entrepreneur programs or innovation programs. Like I tried to set up an entrepreneur's uh, innovation hub in Dublin Business School. Mm. When I when I was working there after I, I finished there, it was one of my jobs, and they said no. You know, at the time it wasn't a thing, and they initially said no. And uh, now they were a big supporter of mine, and 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 definitely a huge time for for dbs but at the time it just wasn't a thing and i sent out an email anyway to every student in the college because i was part of admissions and uh, the admissions team i don't know how legit this was but i sent an email to everybody asking if they wanted to be part of the entrepreneurs society and uh, i got one email back so you know now i have people asking me to come talk to 50 young hungry entrepreneurs and back then I got one email back and it turned out to be Rob who became my business partner in Crust, you know. So it wasn't as cool as it is today and there wasn't as much information online as there is now. Now you can go online and get so much quality information um, at the touch of your, your 
finger, you know, your smartphone. Um, so I think it's a huge advantage. And I think where we're going as a, as a, as a society globally, I think pl- uh, entrepreneurship will be as prominent as plumbing in the future. I think you'll have a, people choosing to become an entrepreneur, like, in a like almost like you go to do an apprenticeship for plumbing or electric, uh, you know, a spark, um, you will go to do an apprenticeship in entrepreneurship. And already I have people who come to me every year and ask, can they be an intern? And probably they come to me because, you know, they're, I'm more accessible than the Dennis O'Briens or the Desmonds of this world. But like, I think that that's happening more and more and more. And that's where people are leaning towards doing their dream, following their dream, following their passion. And this really allows you to do that. So why wouldn't it be cool or sexy or fun? You know, that's, that's, it, it is. Um, so, so yeah, hopefully, um, that answer your question. Yeah, I love that perspective. Well, Gareth, I could talk about these things for literally forever, but we are short on time. So I'm just going to ask you some rapid fire questions and then we can close up the podcast. Sounds good. So I guess if there was a billboard and you could display any message on that billboard so the whole world can see that message, a non-commercial message, um, what would you put up on that billboard? Be intentional. Be intentional. Um, what are you currently most curious about? Um, what am I most curious about? YouTube. YouTube, interesting. Okay. Um, if you could business master model. business models, <laughs> I understand. And if you could master any three skills instantly, what would they be? Oh, awesome! Um, programming. Um. Chinese language um, and martial arts. <laughs> I like it. I like it. <laughs> um, what has been the most worthwhile investment you ever made? Now, this investment might be time. It might be energy. It might be money. Just in general, what's the most worthwhile investment you ever made? Oh, yeah. Books. Books, man. You know, like, I mean, everybody, you know, a lot of people say books, but books are so intentional and yeah. so good. You never regret reading a good, like you never regret reading a book. I, I don't know, like if you're intentional about your selection, you'll never ever regret it. So it's like working out, you know. Uh, that's another thing. Invest in invest in food, invest in exercise. Uh, I think your your mind benefits, and that's that's the biggest benefit. Hundred percent. Um, what is something that you believe in that most other people would think you're insane? Some something you believe in that other people think you're insane. <laughs> oh, um, I get hung up that you can't do two things at once, and I I read three books on Thomas Edison who invented so many different things and created over a thousand one hundred patents. And I don't understand this narrow-minded focus of doing just one thing for your whole life uh, when one of the most famous inventors has done it. And with the age of technology, I believe you can do many, many things over a shorter space of time. And trying to figure out the business model of today of how Thomas Edison did it in today's scope um, sounds mad, but it's something I think about a lot. Hmm. And the final question for you is, what is your definition of chasing passion? My definition of chasing passion. A life with no regrets. Love it. Well, Gareth, it was an absolute pleasure talking to you. But just before we finish up, um, where can people find you if they want to reach out to you, if they want to see what you're up to? Where's a good place to go? Yeah, so so um, ch- check me out on Instagram. It's Gareth Flower, G-A-R-R-E-T, Flower, like the plant. Um, I'm actually launching a new YouTube channel, actually, funnily enough. Um, very interesting business model. And I absolutely love it. So I'm going to launch that Gareth Flower on YouTube um, over the next couple of weeks. Um, so keep an eye out. I'm learning animation at the moment and all that good stuff in the evenings. Wow. Um, wow. Yeah, so, so check it out. You get a lot of content of me 
helping other entrepreneurs out and just conversations we're having about cool new things and uh, related to business. And then in terms of minimalism and cost cutting um, to, to then put it back into investing in the long term. That's, that's the sort of content. So, so check it out anyway. Yeah, I'll link all these in show notes. It'll just chasing passion podcast slash episodes and you'll find it right there. And any final comments, anything else you want to say just before we finish up? Any final remarks? Oh, I think I think you're you're a very impressive uh, young guy, you know, to be able to do this uh, at such an early age is very impressive and fair play to you. Gar, it was a pleasure. Thank you so much. Cheers, man. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode and I really hope you enjoyed it. You can find all the show notes on the website chasingpassionpodcast.com. Just before we finish up, would you consider leaving a short review on Apple Podcast? This will take less than 60 seconds and it'll help me out so much. You can find a link for Apple Podcast in the episode description or just search Chasing Passion on Apple Podcast and you'll find it right there. If you do enjoy the podcast, give it a share. Tell your friends, it will be super, super helpful. Thanks so much for listening and have a great day.